0: When it comes to getting trusted sports gaming strategies and info, you can ask your dumb friend Kevin, or you can just listen to us. We recommend us,
1: and we won't ask to borrow your car either.
0: This is the Sports Grid Radio Network.
1: Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers.
0: Welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Sirius XM, Channel 159. We appreciate you taking time out of your day to hang out with me and my guest today. I'm going to bring in Mark Lawrence. A literal legend in this bake. Mark Lawrence. I'll put it this way. I moved to Vegas in 98 and Mark Lawrence had been doing it for like 30 years when I moved down here. Close to it. 25 years. He was a legend when I got here. He's even more of a legend now because he's still doing it at a high level. We're going to break down The World of College Football, Late Season College Football Betting uh, with Mark Lawrence. But before we get into Mark, and of course this is my last show before Thanksgiving, there will be no shows next week. I'm taking the weekend off to spend time with my family. I hope you get a chance to spend time with yours. So there will be no show next week for Thanksgiving. I wanted to talk a little bit about some Thanksgiving thoughts at the open of today's show. And I know this show's attracted a following. I'm impressed. I'm amazed at how many downloads the podcast version gets. Uh, And of course, if you miss any portion of the show, you can always find the podcast version anywhere. uh, At any major podcast outlet, just search for Cover It With Teddy Covers. But the numbers are extraordinary. I mean, I've done, you know, we had a quarter million downloads before Halloween from the start of football season. So the numbers are really good. I have no complaints in that regard. I know there are lots of you out there that are listening to me on a weekly basis, and I appreciate that very much. I was you guys once. I was. I moved to Las Vegas in 1998, and there was one guy in particular. There were a couple guys who I liked very. You know, Larry Grossman had a show called "You Could Bet on It." There were a bunch of guys on there that I thought were pretty sharp, but the one guy that stood out to me came from a show was called the Stardust Line uh, from the Stardust Race and Sportsbook on the fabulous Las Vegas Strip. And the host who intrigued me was named Dave Malinsky. And when I first moved to Vegas, he used to do the Stardust line every Sunday night and get the first look at the college football openers. And to say that I would listen every Sunday night isn't strong enough. A lot of times i go down to the Stardust and sit in the audience. (laughs) And listening, no, it was not passive. I was writing. And taking notes on just about everything he said. Why Malinsky? He made sense to me. When he broke down a game, it was like poetry to my ears. It really was. When you find a capper out there who just makes sense what he says, his rationale for making a bet or not making a bet, for why he likes one side or not another side, when it makes sense to you, hey, maybe that's a guy I got to listen to. And when you watch Malinsky's track record, the guy was really good at college football. He's not someone who you just listen to. He's someone who you take notes from and someone who you learn from. And I learned from Dave Malinsky. And I remember the day that I found out he was leaving the Stardust line. And I was devastated. Devastated. Of course, he went to go work with Billy Walters, which is <laughs> good work if you can get it. Uh, which speaks volumes about what type of a capper Dave was when Billy Walters comes calling him. Uh, you know, uh, that there's uh, he's doing something right. Uh, but he said, I'm leaving. You know, this will be my last show on the Stardust. Uh, I won't be doing it again. And I was devastated. Absolutely. Where am I going to get this info? Where am I going to get my intro to college football every week? So I get it when you're out there trying to refine your craft, trying to learn about sports betting, trying to get better each and every week, trying to understand the thought processes of the handicappers who have been in this space and been successful. It matters. And Malinsky mattered a ton to me. And of course, Dave uh, passed away a few years back in a uh, tragic hiking accident. Um, rest in peace, Dave, but he was one of those guys who, when I finally got a chance to meet him again, I'm sitting there in the audience, you know, week in, week out on Sunday nights at the Stardust and I got nothing to say to him after the show. I don't know what, finally, I'm like, I have to talk to this man. And after the show, I went up and talked to him and introduced myself. Hey, I'm Ted Zabransky. Nice to meet you. And I was tongue tied. If you know me, I'm never tongue tied. Okay, I host a radio show <laughs> uh, every week. A couple of them. Uh, you know, I'm not a guy who gets tongue-tied very often. And I met Malinsky, and I had no idea what to ask him, what to say to him. I was tongue-tied. And of course, I'm sitting there going, I don't know anything about handicapping. He knows everything about handicapping. What can I possibly say that would interest him? So I said, hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. Thank you for doing your stuff every year, every week. And then like three or four years later... Dave and I were working together, and I got a chance to meet him as a colleague, as opposed to as a fan. And it was a whole different story in that regard. Uh, and we developed a you know a close relationship. And I you know uh, there's no one in my world as a handicapper who's ever had more influence on how I break down games, how I think about games, how I think about sports betting than Dave Malinsky. So my goal, doing this show every week, you know this one and the uh, NFL version, uh, you know you can catch them both. Uh, each and every week is to try to share some of what Dave shared with me (laughs) for you guys. You know, it's important to have role models on the radio as a sports better. It is, it gives you something to aspire to. It gives you something, hey, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something wrong. It gives you something to measure yourself against. So I appreciate all of you very much for all the kind words, all the positive feedback. And I'll do my best to try to continue to fill Dave Malinsky's shoes as someone who doesn't just give picks, but gives the rationale and the thought process behind those picks to help each and every one of us develop into better handicappers over the course of time. Mark Lawrence coming up next. Cover it continues. Stay on the grid all day, even when you're not tuned in, by following us on Twitter at SportsGrid and at SportsGridTV. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore Covers. And of course, you can follow today's guest, Mark Lawrence, on Twitter at Mark Lawrence, M-A-R-C-L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, Mark Lawrence from PlaybookSports.com. Mark, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you today? Teddy, I'm doing just fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine as we head into the weekend before Thanksgiving. Of course, there's no show for me next week over Thanksgiving. I'll be leaving town uh, for a couple of days. The only time I leave town uh, from the beginning of football season till the end of March Madness. I do take a break over Thanksgiving to go see the family. Uh, So there'll be no show next week, uh, or at least no cover it next week. Do you have any
1: big Thanksgiving plans? What are you doing for the holiday? Well, we just basically get together with the family and uh, we go over to the, uh, the club we belong to and we do our turkey buffet over at the club and then I turn into a real football fan. After that, come home, watch football, and Colleen, my wife, wakes me up and says, hey, it's time to go to bed. That's my Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, certainly,
0: uh, and, and the fact that you don't have to clean up, you don't have to cook the turkey and clean up goes a long way in that regard. But Mark, I opened the show and I was talking about uh someone who i consider to be my mentor in this business that of course being dave malinsky uh who uh unfortunately passed away a few years back in a, a tragic hiking accident uh but when i first came to town when i first moved to vegas in 98 and malinsky was doing the stardust line every sunday night he did it in 98 he did it in 99 i think he might have done it the next year as well before he uh found greener pastures and in those years when he was doing the Stardust line, I'm telling you, every week I'm there with my pen and I'm taking notes. Um, oh, yeah. I thought he was as, as brilliant. He, could, he was a poet in, in, in a world that doesn't have a lot of poetry. Um, so in terms of guys who influenced me, but no one more than Dave Malinsky. It was, uh, and then, of course, when I got to meet him years later, he was a colleague uh, and not someone that I was tongue-tied to talk to. Uh, but you're someone that worked with Dave basically from your start in the business, you and Dave were working together. Do you have any Dave Malinsky stories you'd like to share on this pre-Thanksgiving weekend?
1: Well, Dave was, Teddy, as you mentioned. He, uh, If you described anybody with one word, uh, he was an analyst. He analyzed everything. It uh, didn't matter if it was sports, music, hiking, whatever it was. You know, Dave analyzed everything, and he did it with exception. Uh, we became really, really good friends. Going back in the day, I had a client who uh, used myself, he used Mike Lee, and he used Dave Malinsky as his three sources for information. And through that, Dave, Mike, and myself, we got to know one another because of that. He, he was this, this client of mine, was, he was as big as Billy Walters. And so we became real good friends. And as we became friends, when Dave would go home, you know, he, he went to college at Penn state. When he would go home, he'd be sort of halfway in the neighborhood and he'd stop by and we play some basketball and have some grub and became really, really good friends. So when I launched the playbook football newsletter at that time, Dave was, he was writing for sporting news or sporting times. I'm sorry, sporting times at the time. And he and I partnered together in the launch of the playbook newsletter. So Dave partnered with me in the beginning of that, but, Dave wanted to do things other than just do that. He wanted went a bigger reach in the industry, so he kind of went his way, and I, started, I stayed with Playbook, but we remained really, really good friends, and part of the reason that my friend utilized the three of us is because we all had three different approaches to handicapping. Dave was largely fundamental. I'm very, very technical. Mike Lee was very, very statistical, so when you brought all three of them together, it made for a nice handicap, so we became good friends. My best Dave Malinsky's story would probably be the day that uh, my good friend had his 70th birthday. He's since passed, but this is about four or five years ago. He had his 70th birthday, and he wanted us all to come to visit him for a big birthday party. So Billy Walters flew on his private plane from San Diego and picked up Dave. Dave was working for Billy at the time, uh, doing a lot of research. He picked up Dave on the airplane. And he hunkered down in Georgia, a suburb of Georgia. And I at the time, I'm down in Florida, so I was there too. So anyway, we all three of us got together uh, during the birthday party and sat at a table and just told story after story after story. And it was, like, unbelievable. What a thrill it was, not only to be there with Billy Walters and Dave Alinsky and my buddy Larry Miller was his name at the time. Uh, just a great, great time we had. And the one thing that I did learn about... Billy Walters, just in passing, is that uh, the one quick common denominator we have, everybody sort of uh, relates to somebody because of a common denominator. There's something, it does whatever it is. But ours, ours was country music. We both loved country music. So we started trading country music, uh, quizzes and things and all, so forth and back and forth and whatnot. So became really, really uh, good friends with Billy Walters through Dave Malinsky, through my friend. So through that acquaintance, uh, it was one of the most memorable evenings I had, that birthday party with my friend.
0: Sure. One of those magic nights where, you know, when you get the old guy sitting around a table telling stories uh, to be a fly on the wall. And and one of the things I try to do on this show, and again, I'm never going to film in shoes. Okay. I can't. I'm not him. Uh, all right. Uh, but one of the things I try to do is to try to develop some type of attachment with the audience where they understand where I'm coming from. They can hear what I'm saying sometimes before I say it. Um that ability to work with your audience, something that Dave did really well. And again, uh, I used to call him a poet because he genuinely was. Any other Malinsky stories you want to share uh, before we move on? Any other Thanksgiving thoughts? Because we got to talk some college football here in just a minute.
1: Well, he was a master of words. There's no question about that. He was a wordsmith, and uh, nobody could write a paragraph better than Dave Malinsky, whether it be a novel, putting something together in sports and all that good stuff. So when we were putting the newsletter together, you know, Dave would uh, take a big portion and do the write-ups of the newsletter, and he would send in to me uh, – I needed like a paragraph. He would send like a book, okay? <laughs> 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 so we had to- – <laughs> we had to suddenly get this thing whittled down <laughs> uh, and it took a while for him to get the gist of it because he loved to, c- to communicate and he did it so eloquently, uh, warm, warm friend and uh, really, really going mi- to still do miss him, but uh, he was one of the treasures uh, that I've come across in my life and also in the sports industry. Amen. So we've got a couple minutes for the break
0: here. I do want to talk college football. That's the focus of today's show. And I guess here we are, we've got just a couple of weeks left. In the regular season, we're going to talk bowls in a minute. We're going to talk of late season strategies in a minute. But first, the most basic question of all. How's your college football season going? Sides, totals, props, exotics, teasers, parlays. How's it going for you, Mark Lawrence, this year?
1: Well, we can knock on wood, Teddy, and say that it's been an exceptional year for us uh especially in our newsletter uh, we're knocking it out in the newsletter this football season uh right now and it all correlates to my service and what it is that i do and all of that so we're having an outstanding season college fo- football and pro football together and i think a lot of that is attributable to the fact that when the football season began and they uh, expanded these rosters and let the seniors come back and do all that stuff it meant a lot of extra legwork and overtime putting my magazine together, the Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine. And I got to know a lot of the teams in doing just that. And there were a wealth of talent that returned to these teams. And it really helped me get out to a terrific start, uh, both in college football and pro football. In fact, I might say now that it's over, the, I was able to win the first, uh, the first month of uh, the Hilton contest, the uh, Westgate Super Bowl. We finished in first place for that first quarter prize. But that all rolled over because of the preparation and getting ready for the football season. So knock on wood, it's been really, really good this season here. And you know, a lot of the reason is the dogs are barking, and when the dogs are barking, Mark Lawrence is very happy.
0: Yeah, you're not known, a known dog player. We've got so much coming up with Mark Lawrence. We're going to talk about bowl motivation. We're going to talk about the final regular season week. We're going to talk about championship week in college football. Coverage continues. Stay tuned.
2: grid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid Sportsgrid.com.
0: your wife you can balance a park bench on your chin you're probably our kind of listener this is the Sports Grid Radio Network. We love you and you love us. So go to Twitter and follow us for all day updates at Sports Grid and at Sports Grid TV. Follow me on Twitter at teddy underscore covers. You can follow Mark Lawrence on Twitter at Mark Lawrence. And Mark, we're just getting into a little college football discussion. You were talking about what an excellent football season you've been having. I'll trade you. Mine has been mediocre at best, and November's been not good so far. Uh, That said, we're in a situation where there's still ample time down the stretch of the college football season. A couple weeks of the regular season. You have the conference championship game weeks, and then you have the entirety of bowl season. So even if you're mediocre at best right now, there's still room for success. And I want to ask you right off the top, you know, The vast majority of college teams have played 10 games. There's still two left in the regular season, one today, one next week, or the week after. What type of trends and angles? you're someone that absolutely highlights the technical aspects of handicapping and your trends and angles are worth paying attention to, what kind of trends and angles do you have to share for the final few weeks of the college football regular season?
1: Sure. Uh, and what i like to do before I get a little bit into that is uh, uh, let everybody know that uh, I have a database. My database, I call it the Well Oil Machine, because everything that I do comes out of that well oil machine. And what I primarily do is uh, I use it to gather trends for our newsletter. I use it to gather systems and angles for myself, for the betting purposes. And there's a huge difference in trends and systems and angles trends pertain to teams and they change like gumballs coming out of a gumball machine. Uh, a lot of no rhyme and reason for the trends, but their patterns, but systems and angles apply to the league in uh, everybody in the league in whole, and they can become a lot more dependable. So, when I go to the well oiled machine this time of the year, especially we get down to the nitty gritty time of the year, you know, I'll divide things out and I'll look at how teams perform in their last two games of the season uh, or how situations do in the last two or three games of the situation, the last game of the season. And uh, some of the things that sort of jump out here is uh, a lot of stuff is within last home games because last home games are meaningful, you know, they're meaningful by design. In that uh, the seniors have their day for the football programs, and it depends largely upon what sort of uh, uh, role they're in coming into those games. You know, are they a, a team that had a disappointing season that was expected to do well and didn't, or are they a team that overachieved, surprised, and uh, what are their, what can we expect from them in games like this? So those are the sort of things that I do. Uh, a couple of numbers I'll share with you that pertain maybe on this week's card. Is uh, what I'll do is uh, within these last home game parameters, uh, I will take a look at teams in our last home game that are sitting dead even at 500 on the year and knowing that it's an important football game because they're either likely going to go bowling or they're going to be staying at home and watching the games with us. Uh, so it, then I'll dress them up as a home underdog. So you got a home underdog who's dead even 500 on the season uh, and he's got revenge. The other team took him out the last time he played. Those are motivational reasons for these teams to come and play, and they do really, really rather well. 31-19 uh, and 19 to the spread running, 5-0 and 0 the last two years. We've well, we got three plays on tap this weekend that qualify in these 500 exact last home game conference home dog rolls. That would be Missouri, Maryland, and Troy. So let's just see what happens with these three 500 teams this weekend. I would think there's a better chance that two of these three guys will cash a ticket as opposed to none or one of those guys cashing a ticket, so that's one thing to look at. Look at these last home game teams when they have motivation or reason to play in their football games. The other thing, well, real quickly here, oh, go ahead, oh just let me go jump
0: ahead. in uh, real quick, uh, Mark, and then i we'll, will throw right back to you. But I have the Troy Trojans in my pocket uh, for today on Saturday, uh, plus the ten against App State. So I hope that the one loser out of that three-o oh, that you said was going to go two and one comes from the major conference, either Missouri or Maryland, or not the minor. It's good to see that particular team falls into one of your positive expectation, long-term angles. What else do you have for us uh, when it comes to late-season, long-term trends that we want to be aware of? And I use well, trends be, in the uh, wrong way uh,
1: right there. But yeah, We'll call them angles or systems, right. But another uh, another thing I'll look at are teams that were involved in a bowl game last year and how did they do coming back the following year in the course of their final two games of the season. So we'll dress them up, and a lot of it has to do with how they're playing this year. If they were a bowl team last year and they are a losing team this year, coming back in their final two games of the season. It depends on how bad of a losing team they are. If they are out of the bowl picture, uh, they tend to salt. They tend to stay there, and they do not perform well. If they are alive and can become bowl eligible, uh, you'll find really good efforts from these teams. So look, just look for anybody that was in a bowl game last year that's striving to get bowl eligible this year at any point within their last two football games. That's one thing you have to look at. Now they're going to end qualifying themselves from our conversation moving forward, but that's one thing for sure that you'll want to look at. Another well, one. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah,
0: you're on a roll, baby.
1: Don't let me stop you. Yeah, there. No, you don't you know, stop me. <laughs> uh, another one has to do with uh, you talking about the end of the season. If you want to go into the conference championship games, I can discuss that a little bit. Uh, well, let, let, want... let,
0: let, 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 let's go there in a minute
1: because
0: I want I, to stay here with the. The bowl motivation uh, sure. as uh, a factor. and then I'll ask you about the conference championship games of uh, that first week in December in just a moment. But you know, we're a lot of teams right now sitting, you know, again, most teams have played ten games. They're either four and six or five and five. There's gonna be a handful of teams that are gonna be five and six uh, after this week uh, where they need that one win to become bowl eligible. Is that? motivation to get that last win? Is that an overrated factor in the betting marketplace, or is that a legitimate ATS moneymaker?
1: It probably becomes overrated because the oddsmakers realized the discussion we're having about that, and they will tend to adjust numbers. So we have to stay a- ahead of either the number or make sure that we're getting the least value out of the play. But it certainly is a factor for the players uh, to come into situations like that and what I, the way that I'll gauge those teams largely is, again, as I mentioned at the opening of the conversation, are these teams teams that were expected to do well and underperformed, or are they the reverse? Are they the teams that nothing was expected and they performed real well? So that's, you know, that's what we're going to kind of largely look at here. And I don't want to keep pounding this home dog to death, but in college football it really works with these teams playing in these uh, final games of the football season that are looking, sitting at, like you said, not right now, five and six, six and six, four and six, because they're striving to become bold teams. The bottom line to the whole question is, is when you find your play and you find your team and there's a lot of check boxes that you have to check off or check marks that you have to check off. Do they have a good defense? Uh, What's the opponents? There's so many conditions. What is the defense of the opponent so forth and whatnot? But once you do your work and you find your teams, then you have to ask yourself, am I getting a fair number here? Because the odds maker knows that this team, this five and six team the last week of the season, is going to be bet. And these teams that are five and four and six, you know, it's their last chance. They, they, they can't afford to stub their toe either the final two weeks. So I can put it into the well-oiled machine. It can come back with some hard numbers. What the, what the machine doesn't know is is the teams themselves and what you know what slant they're coming to the game from are, did, have they underachieved what was expected from them what was their season win total to begin with where are they now so there're all a lot of logical things that you have to uh, you have to consider so that long drawn out answer the short clip notes version part of it is that if you find these teams that are four and six five and six are sitting uh, dead even uh, at 500 in these final two games of the season Here, Yes, they're worthy of playing provided you have value in the play.
0: And I know certainly for in the NFL, we have talked about this forever where you say, you know, must win, you're, you must win teams down the stretch. They're must win because they're mediocre. They're not that good to begin with. And then you're being added and added point spread tax because they're in a must win spot. Do you find that same situation in college football where yeah, your four and six or five and six or five and five teams are largely mediocre, and now because they have to win uh, to gain uh, bowl eligibility, that the betting marketplace is not only asking them to win, they're asking to win by margin. Mediocre teams not always easy to do that. Agree or disagree?
1: Well, that's a that's a great point because uh, you do pay that tax. You pay that tax on these uh, five and six football teams that were expected to win nine or ten games this year and didn't. Okay, they're sitting at five wins. And they're a popular team, so the, you know they're going to be taxed, they're going to be priced, and you're likely not going to get value with them. The guys I'm looking for are the guys that are looking to go bowling and haven't been there for like the last three years. Okay, and Nobody on this team is going to a bowl game. Now all of a sudden they can sniff it, they can feel it, they can taste it. And there's this close to doing just that. Those are the kind of guys that I want to play because they're coming hungry And they're most likely going to overachieve in in this last game or these final two games of the football season here. And they're also the type of teams that don't carry the weight because of their name. And those are the guys that slip past the odds maker here. So, you know, pay attention to those guys, these little unknown guys, you know, these Charlottes and, you know, the teams of the Belt Conference and teams like that, even the Troys, if you will, uh, that are having reasons to come and play football games that are hungry to go to a bowl because they haven't tasted the bowl water yet.
0: I just realized Charlotte wasn't on that list. Oh, they weren't on the, They're not in. They're not something revenge. Um, but Charlotte, in theory, would be a home dog uh, sitting at five and five right now. But of course, the system that you had was home dog with revenge in their last home game. So there were two additional parameters uh, that I missed looking at Charlotte as a five and five team. We've got much more with Mark Lawrence coming up next. I'm going to ask him about championship game week, the angles and systems that we can make money with there as well as the good and bad point spread teams. More with Mark Lawrence when coverage continues.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: You're
0: listening to Cover It with Teddy Covers. We've got extended time today with Mark Lawrence, the legend Mark Lawrence, the 50-year industry veteran of Mark Lawrence, a guy that's seen and forgotten more about college football than most of us uh, even know to begin with. Uh, I love when I get Mark on the show because I get a chance to pick his brain, and in particular, I'm interested in the system's and angles portion of his well-oiled machine of a database we teased it before the break mark now i want to talk about it that final regular season week with the championship games that first weekend in december anything worth noting when it comes to systems and angles not just for the 4 and 6 5 and 5 5 and 6 type teams but that championship game week next week with angles that we need to be familiar with. What do you got for us when it comes to championship game weekend?
1: Well, a lot of that, Teddy, would have to do with whether these teams playing in that week figure to be involved in their conference championship game the next week. And if they are going to be involved, have they already clinched their spot? If they're not, if they're striving, what can we expect from these types of teams? You know, there's obviously motivation to win a game and make it to the championship game. There's reasons to not play regulars or don't show anything on film if you've already clinched a spot. So you have to take all that into consideration and maybe move that off to the side for those particular teams and look at whatever else is left. Now, the other guys that are left that uh, that, that don't involve the championship game, and we can talk about the championship game in a minute, but that uh, are involved in, in things like that, uh, it all goes down to motivation. And, you know, the motivation comes from things like, can I, uh, can I salvage a, a winning season? Can I salvage a 500 season? Uh, can I turn my season around from being a two-win team and double my wins to four wins? It's all thinking in the head of the players and the coaches and how are they going to approach this football game. And I'm striving. I'm just really looking for these teams that were not good teams last year that can close out their season and say we had a good football season because those are the guys you know you're going to get the effort from. You're not quite so certain about the guys that underachieved, you know, that were expected to win eight games and maybe do a much better job and are sitting there with three wins in the football season. So, you know, hence what happens here in the in the last week of a season like this, uh, the teams that are on a roll, regression to the mean always happens, and it happens a lot in championship week. And the way around, if teams were, are really, really struggling. Uh, a lot of people think that they want to get out of dodge, pick up the bag and go home, but they don't. Uh, teams that are really, really struggling to the spread, or uh, straight up, I should say, tend to come play in these football games. And that's one of the most popular, that teams that have nothing to play for, have a poor record, are just going to pack the bed and go home and not could be further from the truth. So you have to look at that and say to yourself, always put your mind in the, in, in, in the head of a player and how is he going to approach that football game. Uh, as far as teams that are close to and smell like it being in a conference championship game, uh, I can build this into a perfect segue and say this: that uh, teams who are underdogs and have a chance to go into a conference championship game tend to do really well. And if they pull the rug and are able to do just that and make their way into a conference championship game, they are very, very good in conference championship games coming off of straight-up underdog wins, uh, twelve and six to the spread, to be exact. Okay, so basically you know it's kind of like going against the adage of thinking that teams that are bad are packing it no teams that are uh, they don't want to go out totally embarrassed and red-faced and uh, on the other side of the coin you're looking at how of teams achieved to the spread how far over 500 to the spread are they uh, can they come back to the to the mean in, in a situation like this yes they can because they're they're Number one, they're popular with the public. And number two, they're overpriced by the odds maker. So not a lot changes that week of championship week. But a lot of it has to do with what comes up in championship week if the teams are possibly involved.
0: Sure. And that uh, so that, that angle of looking at the dog, uh, a team that wins as a dog to get in the championship game, then betting on them as a dog in the championship game, that one that makes a whole lot of sense to me, ride right? that positive momentum. And you talked about some of the bad teams that are still... Covering point spreads. The point spread is always the great equalizer. I mean, when you look at an Arizona or a New Mexico State, you know, teams that have one win on the season, but have winning point spread records. Bowling Green, three wins on the season. A winning point spread record. Are those type of teams, they tend to be bet on teams down the stretch? Or is the miserable team that's been covering numbers all year, is that more lucky than good?
1: You, you, I think the answer works itself itself out from just the, the just the way that the the gambling public looks at these teams. You know, if they were good straight up and uh, bad to the spread, uh, all that we see is the good straight up part of it. And if they were bad to the spread along the way, they don't want any piece of them because they lost money running and doing just that. You want to play on teams that were good to the season but bad to the spread in their final football games. Uh, because it's, it's a chance for that spread record to get closer to the norm, back to where it should be by lo- going back up. So, good season, bad spread record, play on them in their last game. Converse- well, let's talk
0: about some of those teams. You know, Oregon, 9-1 and one straight up going to the weekend. They're 4-6 yeah. and six against the spread, and they're dogs at Utah.
2: You know, there Central Florida,
0: a winning record, a bad point spread team. Clemson, a winning record, a bad point spread team. Arizona State, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Lafayette, all of these – winning straight-up records, losing ATS records. Are these teams that we want to continue fading down the stretch? Are you going to make money going against the good, straight-up, bad point spread teams? Are they still overvalued commodities
1: at the tail end of the regular season? No, we we, we want to jump on the Clemsons and the Oregon's, the football teams that are playing well, playing good, but not, not, recognized, not recognized at the window. Not recognized by the uh, Joe Public and not recognized the odds maker. I think there's, like, instance, tons of value to Clemson this particular week. Okay, they're playing well. Their defense is in stride. They saw the chance to be in the ACC championship game. Take Wake Forest out. See what happens next week. If Wake goes to Boston College and they lose, what happens? Clemson's in the ACC championship game. So, uh, so here comes Clemson, a football team that's got a winning record, a poor point spread record, but they're on the come right now. Uh, they become Rodney Dangerfield-type players, if you will, in that sense. Oregon doesn't get any respect at all. Uh, all they did this year, Ted, was go into Horseshoe and knock off Ohio State. Okay, uh, That's a pretty big bullet in their holster. Okay, Yet, because they're going into Utah, where uh, Kyle Whittingham plays really, really good football, and his team does as well, they're not getting a lot, a lot of love as Oregon. And so if I'm Mario Cristobal, I'm telling Rodney Dangerfield jokes to get this football team ready, okay? Uh, and, and you're going to see efforts like that from teams. The, the key to this whole thing is that if the public has bet these teams and they've lost money, they want no part of them. But if they're a winning team, that's no reason to jump off of them. They're a winning team. They're going to continue their winning ways, and especially if they're getting value to the to the line because of their poor point spread record.
0: So do you like uh, Oregon this week? Because before this show is done, I'm going to make a case for Utah minus the three uh, against the Ducks. Okay. So if you're on the other side of me,
1: you better tell me now. I am on the other side of you. I'm telling you now. Oh, I'm on oh, orange. <laughs> and Mark's
0: having a great season. That's great.
1: Thanks. No, hey, that, <laughs> nobody wins all the time. I want to tell you that right now. Okay. <laughs>
0: uh, nobody all wins. Good, all good. Good. But I will make that case uh, for the Utes uh, before this show is through. Real quick, Mark, I want to ask you one more college football question because it's a question that's been thrown to me and I didn't have a good answer for that. Uh, all right. My answer is Google News. (laughs) But so many teams are going through quarterback changes in college football on a weekly basis. You know, this guy starts this week and he's banged up and someone else is going to come in and and here's the third stringer coming in and oh, now the first stringer's back and oh, we're going to play QB shuffle and all three guys are going to play this week. Um, How do you track all the college football quarterback changes and more importantly, how do you make money off all the quarterback changes in college football on a weekly basis, or is it something you try not to worry about that much? There's not that much difference in terms of a power rating between many of these
1: QBs. There are not many quarterbacks that are going to adjust the power rating uh, just because they're out. Uh, Trevor Lawrence would add that Clemson in his day, okay, uh, but you're not going to get football teams that are going to all of a sudden. I'm, I'm going to go so far as to say even uh, Stroud at Ohio State. Uh, you know, what we have, I love I love quarterbacks being out. I absolutely do because there's an overreaction to that, and what happens? The next guy is up. It's his turn. All he was was an all-state quarterback in, in, in high school. He was a four- or five-star recruit coming to that school here, and now it's his chance. Uh, case in point, Southern Cal this weekend, uh, making the quarterback change, uh, Keaton Slobus out. You, got, you you got a, a quarterback making his first start in his college football career. It's a rally around the quarterback situation for the football team. You'll find teams rallying around that injured new quarterback that very, very first game. And you'll find a lot of good production, a lot of winning tickets doing that. It's the second game. Okay. When, if they won that first game, it's a second game, they tend to really crash back to earth. So I love these new quarterback situations because I love to play on a new quarterback in his first start and fade him in a second start if he won that first game.
0: Strong info from Mark Lawrence. He brings it to cover it each and every week. Mark, uh, why don't you give our listeners out there a free play that you like in college football for today?
1: Well, Teddy, because a lot of people like get-out games because maybe they got themselves in trouble, and whatever the case in instance might happen to be. You guys on the West Coast, I'm going to hop out to the island in Hawaii, and I'm going to play the Warriors plus the points against Colorado State, the Rams who have had a deeply disappointing football season this year. Uh, what happens here is a couple of things. Number one, I love I love breaking games down statistically. The Rams have been out-yarded each of their last three football games in a row. I call that leaking oil. And when a team is doing just that and they find themselves favored leaking oil, it's really, really difficult to suddenly play a good game, really really road, and in this case, really difficult to do it in Hawaii, where this suddenly becomes a vacation game for Colorado State, okay? (laughs) Uh, I think this is an ideal spot for Hawaii in the football game, and I will play them to knock Colorado State out. On Saturday night.
0: And of course, Hawaii, I'm not going to say completely devalued in the marketplace, but on the other hand, uh, their home dogs against a three win Rams team that's played lousy football for the better part of the day. Ever since Adagio forgot uh, that he could spike the ball before running the field goal unit on there. Uh, so <laughs> there you Colorado go. Colorado <laughs> State has kind of fallen apart, and yet there's still road chalk here, which speaks volumes about the betting markets crashing on Hawaii after the Rainbow Warriors allowed UNLV to get over their season win total. One and a half with the second victory for the Rebels last week. Mark, uh, promote yourself, my friend. Where do people find you? Uh, How can they get a hold of your information on a week-in, week-out basis?
1: Well, everything we do, Teddy, is available online at my website, playbooksports.com. We added sports to our name, playbooksports.com. We published three newsletters. Our weekly football newsletter, which is having a great year football season wise. Uh, in fact, on our best bets for the year, we're 41 and 21 for the year in the newsletter. Really, really, a, really a great effort by the uh, newsletter. We published a midweek alert newsletter. That's our statistical newsletter. I call it the daily racing form of newsletters. If you like stats, tearing games down, breaking teams down, such as the you know the Colorado State leaking oil type thing. There's a I gotta cut you off, buddy,
0: but you can get all three newsletters from Mark Lawrence. Just visit playbooksports.com. Thank you so much, Mark. We'll be right back. My Cover pleasure continues. as always, Teddy. Bye-bye. Huh. Look at them yo-yo's That's- We're in the home stretch of Cover It With Teddy Covers. And remember, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always go back and check out the podcast version available at all major podcast outlets. Search for Cover It With Teddy Covers. And obviously, uh, you can go back and look at the archives. Every show since the Super Bowl last year archived for your convenience Uh, if you want to replay or you miss any part uh, of today's show. And again, I want to remind you, there will be no show next week I'm off for Thanksgiving. We'll be back the following week. And then I should be good to go through the holidays. But I will be uh, traveling out of town for Thanksgiving. No chance. I'm getting (laughs) a couple hours of radio in uh, to find the guests and put the show together. Unfortunately, not going to happen on Thanksgiving week. So I'll miss you. Hopefully you miss me. We'll be back again uh, in two weeks. I'm going to give you guys an opinion. I told you where I was going earlier. I am not an Oregon Believer. Right now, you can still lay minus three with Oregon over Utah. Why is, it, uh, sorry, minus three with Utah over Oregon? Why is Utah favored by a full field goal in this game? Because they're better than Oregon is. All right. One thing that you don't want to do in November is take a look at a game that was played in week two and say, that's the meaningful game for Oregon. They played a great game week two at Ohio State. I'm with you. I watched it. They were good. That was two and a half months ago, okay? It's not like they're a bad team. They're a very good team. I don't think they're the third best team in the country. I don't think they're that close. And when you look at what they've been doing and who they've been beating throughout the course of the campaign, it's been the right team at the right time over and over again, and even with that, they're not covering spreads by margin. Utah, under Kyle Winningham, is a team we trust down the stretch. Every year they get better down the stretch. It's a nasty place to play in November, and I think the Utes derail the Ducks' championship dreams. Give me Utah minus the three. There's your free winner for Saturday night. Best of luck, enjoy the games, and have a very happy Thanksgiving. Sometimes you want to go where everybody it's your name.